Love. How you doing, everybody? Everybody doing well? Do me a favor, turn to somebody, give them a high five, and say, you look great today. Now turn to the person that you weren't going to turn to and say, you look beautiful. I'm with you, Jeff. (laughs) Man, I'm so glad that you're here today, and I'm excited about this new series that we're starting. And, you know, I was thinking this week, you know, one of the things that I love about Jesus is that he was always aware of the people that were around him. He saw people. I mean, he really saw them. You know, the truth is for most of us, we kind of, we become a little callous to the fact that there are people around us who are hurting, uh, people who need love, people who need uh, care, people who need concern. I think sometimes, man, we just get so busy in our day-to-day stuff. You know, we've got our routines, we've got our, our, our own busyness, and we get so busy and we get so about doing what we're doing, we're so self-focused on what we're doing that we get we're just not even aware. There's, people aren't even on our radar sometimes. But what would happen if we were to take a step back, take a little bit of a deeper look at ourselves and ask ourselves, in this life, what is the most important things? What is it that matters most? Jesus told a story about this one time. In Luke chapter 12, this is what he says. He says, there was a rich man who had produced a bountiful harvest. You know, he asked himself, what shall I do? For I don't even have enough space to store my goods. In other words, God is blessing me so much, I don't even know what I can do with all this stuff. I'm just getting overblessed. And then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build me larger barns. Then I'll say to myself, I have so many good things stored up for me. Now, rest, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This night your life will be demanded of you, and then to whom will all your things belong? Thus it is for anyone who stores up treasures for himself, but is not rich in what matters to God. Everybody say, what matters to God? So here is this guy who's thinking only of himself. He's caught up in his own little world and his own little stuff, and it never occurs to him that God might be blessing him so that he can be a blessing to other people. All the blessings he had, man, he could be a blessing to those who were less fortunate. He thought, you know, I'll just build bigger barns, right? I'll get some mini storage. I don't have room for it all. I've got so much. I'm not going to give it any, to anybody else. I'm not going to bless anybody else. I'll just keep getting more and more and more and saying, look at what I've got. And God says, you are missing out on what matters most. So what does matter most? What is it that matters to God well, the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, it says, If you're a follower of Christ Jesus, all that matters is your faith that makes you love others. God says what matters most is not your accomplishments. What matters most is not your achievements. What matters most is not your fame. It's not your wealth. What matters most is one thing. All that matters is your faith that makes you love others. And if you miss that, you're missing out on what matters most in this life, having the kind of faith that causes you to love other people. Now today we're starting a brand new series called Love is the Revolution. 
And uh, I, I truly believe with all my heart that love is powerful. I mean, it's powerful. It's strong. I believe that one is, love is one of the most revolutionary acts that you could do. And in this series, we're going to look at the most famous chapter when it comes to love, and that's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's the, uh, the love chapter, and we're going to spend the next eight weeks kind of looking at this chapter. And, and, you know, speakers, when they want to get your attention, they want you to remember something, and they really want to make a point, they will say it over and over again. They'll use repetition. They'll repeat it again and again and again. And, and in the first few verses of this passage, God says the same thing five different ways. He says it over and over again. He says the most important thing is love. Relationships. That's what matters most. So let's jump in. If you've got your message notes, they're in your program. Go ahead and pull them out. You can write this down. Here's the first one. If I don't live a life of love, nothing I say will matter. Nothing I say will matter. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. If I could speak in any language in heaven or on earth, but I didn't love others, I would be meaningless noise like a loud gong or a clanging cymbal. God says words minus love equals noise. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not worth listening to. Words without love are empty. Now, we are impressed when we hear people who are great speakers or great communicators. We love it when we hear people speaking and they have this charisma. They're eloquent or they stir us up. But God says, that's not what impresses me. That doesn't impress me at all. God wants to know, do you love people? And is your life a life of love? Words mean nothing if you're not living a life of love. Without love, nothing I say will matter. Here's the second one. If I don't live a life with love, nothing I know will matter. Verse 2. I may have the gift of prophecy. I may understand all the secret things of God and have all knowledge. But if I do not have love, I am nothing. You could be Phi Beta Kappa. You could be a Menza member. You could be brilliant, like a walking Bible encyclopedia. You could have incredible knowledge of math and science and history and literature. You, you could be a genius, but without love in your life, you have nothing. Brilliance minus love equals nothing. Zero, zip, nada, zilch. Nothing, nothing. Guys, we live in a world right now where knowledge is exploding. We have access to more knowledge than any previous generation. But guess what? We still have the same problems. We still have crime and terrorism, war, abuse, prejudice, injustice, hatred, violence. See, what the world needs now is love. sweet love. That's the only thing that there's not enough of, Right? That is. It's what the world needs is love. It's not more knowledge. It's more love. Without love, nothing I say will matter. Nothing I, I know will matter. All of the knowledge in the world will not compensate if you don't have love. If it's not based out of a loving heart. Third thing, if I don't live a life with love, nothing I believe will matter. There's a myth that I want to just kind of explode this morning because it's not true 
And, and I think too many people believe it. And it's this, that being a Christian, being a follower of Christ, is simply believing certain truths. That's all it is, right? And nothing can be farther from the truth. Following God is much more than believing intellectual facts or doctrinal truths. It's a life of love. The Bible says, even if I have the faith that I could speak to a mountain and make it move, in other words, I, have, I, I can be a miracle worker, right, doing amazing miracles, I would still be worth nothing at all without love. It takes more than belief to please God. You say, well, wait a minute, Robert, hold on, hang on a second. I believe in God. So does the devil. The devil believes in God. The devil believes Jesus is the Son of God, but he's not going to heaven, right? The issue is not do you believe in him. The issue is do you love him? Is there a relationship there? The Bible says if I love God and I hate other people, I'm a liar, right? If you don't live a life of love, what you believe doesn't matter. That's pretty profound. Yeah, just... Man, we could stop right now and you could go home and chew on that one for the rest of your day. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's, that's deep. Uh, all right, number four. If I don't live a life with love, nothing I give will matter. It says, if I gave everything to the poor and even sacrificed my body, in other words, I become a martyr, you know, I just even give my own life, but didn't love others, I would be of no value whatsoever. Can you be in a relationship, right, and give for selfish motives? Sure, absolutely, right? Uh, giving is, is not always necessarily loving. Some people give in order to get back. That's not love because, you know, I'm doing it for the return. I know I'm going to get something back. That's selfishness. Some people give love out of guilt to try to make themselves feel better, uh, trying to, you know, make up for something that they did in the past. So they'll give love out in order to get forgiveness or redemption. Some people uh, give to control other people. Parents, <laughs> right? We, parents do that. We give to control the kids sometimes. Some people give for prestige or honor or glory. They want the plaque that says, look at me. Look what I did. Look what I gave. That's not love. And you can give for a lot of wrong reasons, but if it isn't out of a heart of love, it doesn't matter. Husband says, you know what? I gave my wife everything she ever wanted, and she still left me. Sure, but did you love her? Did you give her love? You can't buy a wife. You can't buy your kids, right? Sometimes parents will try to compensate for not spending time with their kids by just buying them a lot of stuff. Listen, they don't need your stuff. They don't need things. They need you. They need time with you. They need your love. Number five. You guys all right? <laughs> all right, all right. Just make it sure. I, I know, man. We're hitting it hard right out the gate, right? We're laying the foundation for where we're going to go. Number five. If I don't live a life with love, nothing I accomplish will matter. 1 Corinthians 13, 3 from the message. I love the message paraphrase sometimes. It just really digs into the heart of the matter. It says, so no matter what I say, what I believe, or what I do, I am bankrupt without love. Look, you could be the Time Magazine person of the year. You could be better than Chuck Norris, if that was even possible. <laughs> right? 
You can win the Nobel Peace Prize. You can rack up all kinds of accomplishments. But it doesn't mean anything without love. Life is about relationship, not accomplishments. So let me summarize this. I want you to get this. You can have the eloquence of an orator. You can have the knowledge of a genius, the faith of a miracle worker, the generosity of a philanthropist, the achievement of a superstar. But if you don't have love in your heart, it's worthless. The thing that matters most to God is do you love him? Do you love other people? That's called the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You say to God, God, I'm loving you with everything that's inside of me. And what happens then is when you start to love God, God begins to pour his love. You, you, you actually open yourself up for him to let you have the love he's been wanting to give you for so long. God is there wanting. He's waiting for you to accept this love that he wants to pour into you. And when God pours his love into you, you know what he does? He doesn't give you a little bit, you know, or you gave me a little bit of love, I'm going to give you a little bit of love back. He says, I'm going to pour it into you. And what he does is he pours it into you so much that it overflows out of you that the very next step becomes, now I've got love in my heart to love people. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And you love your neighbor as yourself. That's the great commandment. See, one day you're going to stand before God and he's going to evaluate your life. And when he does, he's not going to say, hey, bring me your old report cards. I want to see how you did. He's not going to say, hey, you know know those bowling trophies you got? Bring them out, man. I want to look at them. Let's look at the plaques that you have on your wall. Bring your diplomas. I want to see all your diplomas. Man, I want to bring me your checkbook. I want to see your bank account. I want to know how you did. I want to know all about your accomplishments or your or your resume and all that sort of stuff. Now he's not looking at that. You know what he's looking at? He wants to know how well you loved. How well did you love other people? Did you love him? Did you love others? The rest is all details. Love is what matters most. That's why we're going to spend eight weeks talking about love. And I'm just going to tell you, you need to just get ready for it. It's going to be intense. You say, well, okay, Robert, I get it. You know, love is what matters most, blah, 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 blah. Love is the most important thing. But what is love? What is love? What is it? All right? You know, I mean, honestly, if you think about it, love is one of the most overused words on the planet. I mean, we use it to express everything. We say, you know what? I love my family. I love God. I love football. I love, I love Krispy Kreme, <laughs> right? I love the beach. I love movies. I love music, you know, and on and on and on. But how do you define love? I mean, I was thinking about it. Really, how do you define it? So I did, I did what everybody did. I, I went online. I went on to the Internet. I went on to the Encyclopedia Britannica online. God help us. When I was a kid, you know, we had like a big bookcase of Encyclopedia Britannicas. And, you know, my parents, we weren't, we, were, we weren't big money. I mean, that was a huge investment in our future. Man, I remember reading through those things. And then after a couple of years, I go, well, this has all changed right? Now they've got Encyclopedia Britannica online. And so I looked and I said, let's see what it says about love. And you know what it said? It gave me a link 
to, it, it, it gave me a link to a rock band that was called Love. It gave me a link to all kinds of philosophers. It defined love as an emotion. Spoiler alert, it's not. It's more than that. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's emotion involved, but we'll talk about that. But it doesn't tell you what love is. See, the truth is defining love for most people is a struggle. So how do we define it? How do we define love? Well, it's going to take us about eight weeks to really unpack this. All right? And some of the things that we're going to talk about over these next eight weeks are going to surprise you. You're going to learn some things about love that you've never thought about before. So let me just scratch the surface and give you a couple of basic definitions for today. All right? We're just laying the foundation for where we're going to go. First of all, the Bible says that love is a command. It's a command. God commands us that we love one another. It's not an option. If we don't love, we are disobeying God. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't you disobey God. That's right. Don't do it. All right? It's not an option. Second John 1.6. Love means doing what God has commanded, and he has commanded us to love one another. Some of you say, you know what, I could live without love. No, you can't. You can exist, but you can't really live without love. And you can't please God without it because the Bible has commanded us to love each other. Now, because love is commanded, that brings something else up that we need to talk about. And that is that love is not a feeling. We all know that because you can't command a feeling. Commanding a feeling is like trying to command the wind. You know, start blowing, stop blowing. doesn't work. It's like commanding a crying baby. I command you to stop crying and be happy. doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can't command a feeling. Love is not a feeling. Love produces feelings. It creates feelings. Love is not an emotion. Most people think it is. It's not. It creates emotions but it's not an emotion. When people say, I love you, they are feeling an emotion, but love is so much more than that. In fact, the Bible says this about love. It says that love is a choice. It's a choice. We choose to love, and we choose not to love. Love is a choice. 1 Corinthians 14.1 from the message. Go after, matter of fact, read this out loud with me. Go after a life of love as if your life depended on it, because it does. Notice the words, go after. Go after. See, that's a choice. You decide. You choose. It's an act of will. You choose to love or you choose not to love. Now, that completely destroys another myth that we have about love. We think love is uncontrollable. Right? When people talk about love as like it's something uncontrollable. Well, I was just walking along and I just fell into love. Like love is some big ditch in the road, right? And I couldn't help it. I was just walking along and then poof, I fell in love. I've fallen in love and I can't get up, right? And we just have this feeling. We think that's what it is, all right? But it's so much more. It's like we don't have any control of whether we're going to love or not. I can't tell you how many times I have sat down with couples, married couples in my office, and, who are trying to justify their reason for getting a divorce by saying something like, you know, I just don't love him anymore. I just don't love her anymore. As if it's totally out of their control. And see, now since you feel this way, then it's justified to end the relation. No! Love is a choice. You should rephrase that and say, I'm choosing not to love them anymore. Because it's a choice. You could choose differently. 
The fact is, loving when you don't feel like it is probably loving more deeply than when you do feel like it. It's easy to love on the honeymoon, right? The flowers are blooming, the birds are singing. You're probably on an exotic beach somewhere. You know, you got the honeymoon night coming. I mean, it's easy to be in love on the honeymoon. But the real test of love is, how do you love? How well do you love when the money's tight? How well do you love when you have to deal with a house full of sick family or you have to deal with hardship or when the pressure's on? You choose to love in spite of how you feel, loving in spite of your emotions. How many of you have ever got up in the middle of the night with a sick kid? Well, a lot less of you than I really was thinking was going to raise your hands. <laughs> I let the wife do that. God bless her. The kid's sick. Now, if you've ever got up in the middle of the night with a sick kid, that's love. That's love, right? It really is. Have you ever been kind and patient when your spouse was grumpy and grouchy? Right? That's love. That's love. You know, the wife was asked, do you wake up grumpy in the morning? She says, no, I let him sleep in. That's right. <laughs> love is giving a person what they need, not what they deserve. See, that's what God does. That's his example to us. That's how God loves you. God doesn't give you what you deserve. If I got what I deserve from God, I wouldn't be standing here right now. And neither would you. Right? God doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us what we need. It's called grace. It's called love. Love is giving to another person without any guarantee of getting anything back. And if you're doing it to get something back, that's not love. Love is committing to the well-being of another person without any guarantees that they're going to give anything back to you. That's love. It's a command, and it's a choice. It's not a feeling. Here's the next one. Love is a conduct. It's a behavior. It's an action. It's not something you say. It's something you do. DC Talk years ago had a song that said, love is a verb. That's true. Right? It's an action step. It's something we do. The Bible says, let us stop saying we love people. Let's really love them and show it by our actions. Love is not something you feel alone. It's something that you, uh, you do. It's not something you say. It's something you do. It's good to say it. It's good to feel it. But it doesn't mean anything if you don't do it. If you don't actually love. Love is an action. It's a behavior. It's an activity. It's more than just talk. A, a, a guy tells his girlfriend all the time, I love you and I would die for you. And she says, you keep saying that, but you never do it. <laughs> love is something you do. <laughs> yeah, God constantly gives us opportunities, some of you do. God constantly gives us opportunities to love, to demonstrate love. But you know, a lot of times we're too busy. We're too distracted. We're too busy going about our day and doing our thing and being in our routine and taking care of our stuff that we get distracted and we miss out on opportunities to love. How many times have you said, I need to write a letter to that person just to kind of encourage them? Maybe I need to call that person and just say hello and see how they're doing. I need to speak a word of encouragement to that person at work. I need to reach out to that neighbor who's going through a tough time and, and just be there for them. See, we have such great intentions, 
then we let the opportunities pass us by, and then it's gone. You're not going to get it back. You missed an opportunity to grow in love. And the Bible says that's what matters most. Love is a conduct. The next thing, love is a commitment. 1 John 4.16, God is love. If we keep on loving others, we will stay one in our hearts with God, and he will stay one with us. Notice the phrase there, if we keep on loving. Love keeps on. Love is durable. You guys remember the Energizer Bunny? Love like that. Just keep doing it. Over and over and over again, man. It's a commitment. I'm loving. I'm going to keep pouring out love. That's who I am because I am filled with God and God is love. I'm going to be a person of love. I'm making a commitment. So when I get up in the morning, I'm asking God, show me opportunities to love. All right? Now, my hope is that as we go through these next eight weeks together that you'll look at this and say, you know what, you're right. Love is what matters most. And I want to learn how to love deeper. I want a mature love. It's the most important thing. It's what my life is going to be evaluated on. So I'm in. I'm making the commitment. For the next eight weeks, I'm going to be here. Because the truth is we all need to grow in love. Amen, somebody? We do. We need to grow in love. None of us has this all figured out. And I need to warn you, when you make a commitment like that, your commitment will be tested. God will test. Are you serious about growing in love? Because mature love is always tested love. And you're going to be tested on how you love. There is no mature love without the test. So how do we do it? How do we build the life of love. Again, we're going to need eight weeks to kind of unpack this, but let me give you some action steps that you can start with. All right, five things that you can do this week to help you love better. Here's the first one Learn how mature love acts and responds. Learn it. Personal change always begins with perspective, and that involves getting God's perspective on love. And let me tell you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about doing this. I want you to take your Bible and read. It's just one chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. And maybe just at least once a week for the next eight weeks, read through 1 Corinthians 13. It'll really lay the foundation for where we're going to go. It'll start really kind of putting those principles into your heart about what God says about love and what he wants us to understand about love. And then we'll unpack it during these eight weeks, but just read it with me. Because as I said, the world doesn't really have a clue what love is all about. So we need God's perspective because God is love. So because of that, here's the second thing. Start your day with a daily reminder to love. The first 10 minutes of your day largely sets your mood for the rest of the day. What would happen if you started out by saying, God, help me remember today that the most important thing is love. And love is what matters most. It's more important than anything on my to-do list. It's more important than anything I want to try to accomplish today. Help me to love you and help me to love people. Lord, help me to love. Start your day with an attitude of love. Because guys, we live in a crazy world. Amen, Pastor Robert. It's pretty crazy out there. Man, you missed an opportunity. <laughs> We live in a crazy world. It's crazy out there. 
And on a typical day, you see all kinds of situations that can make you angry. You're going to see all kinds of situations. You're going to have all kinds of opportunities for conflict. And if you don't have love as the foundation in your heart, those opportunities are going to come along and you are going to jump on them, right? You're going to say, okay, it's on. You want trouble? You came to the right person, right? Here I am. No. Start your day off with a reminder to love. God, I'm getting ready to step out into the world today. And I realize there's a lot of craziness out there. And I realize I know my own ability to to be busy and not to see people like Jesus did. I I know there's a thousand things that could happen today. And there's people that are going to step in my path who are going to try and make me angry. There's going to be all kinds of things around me. There's going to be people who are going to cut me off on the highway and ruin my mood. Right? There are people going to make my coffee wrong at Starbucks and God help them. Right? I mean, just whatever it is, you're going to have those opportunities. But God, I'm confessing to you now that I have a propensity to go the wrong way on this. And so I'm asking you, remind me to love. Lord, fill me with your love today. Lord, help me to receive your love and realize just how much you love me so that I can start my day with an attitude of love, and I can love the people that I come into contact with. You know what happens when you ever run across a situation and there's somebody who's just giving you the dickens and you react to them in love instead of reacting to them in anger? You respond in love? It just diffuses things. It it messes people up. Because what the world needs now is love. What people around. Man, imagine the revolution that would happen if we started to love people. If we took every single day and said, you know what, I'm going to do the most revolutionary thing I could do. And men, look at me. Look, I know sometimes we think, oh, if I just walk around loving people all the time, you know, peace, love, joy, you know, that sort of thing, then, then people are going to think I'm, I'm weak. No, the strongest people in the world are people who love well. Jesus loved well. There was nothing weak about him. There was nothing. Man, he was, he was strong. He was powerful. He had, he had enough power that he could have called down a legion of army of angels at any time. But he dealt with every situation head on. And he did it in love. Even the cross, he took it in love. It's powerful. All right? So start your day off with a reminder to love. Third thing, memorize what God says about love. The Bible is filled with advice and wisdom and truth, inspiration and principles about how to love better, how to be a more loving person. The problem is most people haven't stored those principles in their heart. So when an opportunity for conflict comes along or an opportunity to be jealous or an opportunity to be angry or impatient or judgmental or critical or any of those other things that we are tempted to do on a daily basis, when those situations occur because you haven't taken time to get the word in your heart, you're in trouble, right? You need your Bible in your heart and not just in a drawer somewhere at your house. Come on, somebody. That's what we need. We need to get it inside of us. If you'll start to memorize verses, God can speak to your heart and in those moments and remember what my word says, right? Some of you have never memorized anything from the Bible. So when the situations come and they do every day, you have nothing in the bank of your heart to draw on. You need to memorize scripture. The Bible says in Psalm, so your word this is from Psalm 119. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I will not sin against you. So important. 
We need to remember that. We need to reprogram our minds. We need to repattern our, our, our life, our thought life, our, from selfish thoughts to unselfish thoughts, so that we can love in a more loving way that God wants us to be. Fourth thing, practice acting in unselfish, loving ways. In other words, don't just say it. Start to do it now. Let's practice doing it. Love is like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. Practice makes perfect. How many of you remember when you first started trying to drive a car? If you can think back to that, to that time, man, it felt so awkward. You weren't sure exactly how to do it. You know, you did all the things. You got the mirrors adjusted. You got your hands at 10 and 2. And you're thinking, you know, just how, how hard do I push the gas? And how hard do I push the brake? You remember those, those starts and stops like, right? And you went through all of that sort of stuff. You're thinking, like, when you turn, how far do I turn it? And all those kinds of things. It was just awkward, right? And it felt awkward, you know, but practice made it become natural to you. And now you just get in your car and drive. It's no big deal. You don't even have to think about it hardly anymore. And I know you're not thinking about it because I drive with you on 98, (laughs) all right? But see, this is the same thing with love. When you start to love in an unselfish way, it's going to feel awkward at first. It's going to seem, you know, not really natural, But the more you practice it, the more natural it becomes. And soon, it'll become second nature to you. By the way, no one just loves well naturally. It's something that you learn through putting it into practice. Here's the last one. Get support from other loving people. Now, this is so important. You will never learn to love well just sitting at home reading a book about love. Right? It only works in the context of community, in the environment of relationships. And that's why small groups are so important. That's why you hear me talk about small groups every time you come in here. If you're uh, in a small group, you're with people who are different than you are, and you have to learn how to get close to them. That's how you learn to love. You develop skills. We have a new season of small groups that have started, and the table's not out front, but you can still get involved. Uh, there's, there's small groups that you can get involved in. If you need more information, go onto our website, coastcommunity.org. Really simple, coastcommunity, that's our church, .org. And just go there, or you can call the church office, and we'll help hook you up uh, to a small group. Uh, you need to be a part of one. You need those relationships, and if you're not in a small group, you're missing out. You say, you know what, I don't have time to be in a small group. Well, the truth is, is you've got time for whatever matters most to you. You know, if you see the value in it, you'll do it. And what matters most to God is us becoming a people who love. So get involved. Listen, I want to encourage you again. Don't miss a Sunday for the next eight weeks. What we're talking about in this series is so important. It's all about love. The Beatles are right. All you need is love. Love is the revolution. Love is what matters most. The average American lives 25,550 days. That's the average lifespan. Do you think out of 25,550 days, you could give eight to what matters most, right? Just to learn about the most important thing in life? Man, I hope so. We have a lot to learn, but fortunately, we've got a great model. Ephesians 5.2 says this, keep company with God and learn a life of love. That's what we're going to do the next eight weeks. Observe how Christ loved us. His love, I love this phrase, His love was not cautious, but extravagant. And God loves you extravagantly. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of Himself 
to us. Love like that. Love like that. You say impossible. I could never do that. I could never love like Christ. You're right. You couldn't. Not on your own. Not under your own power. That's why we need Jesus in our life to show us and teach us how to really love people with his strength to empower us to love people like him. The Bible says in this life we have three lasting qualities, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Why is love the greatest? Because it's the only one that's going to last forever. When you get to heaven, you're not going to need faith because you'll be in the presence of God. When you get to heaven, you're not going to need hope because all of your needs will be met in Him. Heaven's going to be filled with love because God is love. The Bible doesn't say God is faith. The Bible doesn't say that God is hope. The Bible says that God is love, and love is going to last for eternity. Nothing matters more than love. And when you understand that, and when we begin to really love God and really love other people, when that love starts to become real inside of us, that's when it becomes a revolutionary act. And it not only changes you, but it changes the people that you show love to. Bow your heads with me. Father God, I just come before you now, and I'm so excited, Lord, as we start this series, as we talk about how to love and how to develop and strengthen our love. I can hardly wait to see the miracles and the changes that are going to take place in people's lives. I can't wait to see what you're going to do in our lives and in our careers and our relationships and our families and our friends. Right now, Lord, our world needs massive doses of love. There are people here today who are afraid of the future, yet you said there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. My prayer is that we won't just think and talk and listen about love and be spectators, but Lord, that we would actually become people who love other people, people who love you and love others. We would become more loving. As we close, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask God a question this morning and then just wait for an answer. Here's the question. Ask God, God, do you want me to grow in love during this series? Do you want me to grow in love during this series? And if the answer in your heart, the impression in your mind, the little tugging is yes, then I want you to pray this prayer with me. And you can just pray it in your heart or at the end of it, just say, me too, Lord. Amen. Here's the prayer. Dear God, I really do want to become a more loving person. I want to be a mature, loving person. I want to develop healthy, authentic relationships. And I'm willing to take these first five steps in faith. I'm going to give you the next eight Sundays of my life. I know it'll be busy, but I want to thank you in advance, Lord, for what you're going to do in my life. I want to thank you in advance for what you're going to do in my relationships during the next eight weeks. I'm going to focus on what matters most, love. Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed just for a moment. Maybe you're here and you say, Robert, I hear all this about Jesus and love and all of that stuff, but maybe you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart. Maybe you've never asked him to be the Lord of your life. Or maybe you did it sometime and you drifted away. If that's you and you would say, Robert, would you just pray for me? Could I just see your hands?
Thank you so much. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Just say, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Lord, fill me with your love. Thank you for your grace that forgives my sins. I receive your forgiveness as much as I know how. I'm going to follow you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. So here's my prayer for you this week that you would start to say, Man, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to learn to love deep. I'm going to do my best to love people. I'm going to try to be a little bit less self-centered and a, more, a little more people-centered. And I'm going to look for opportunities to show love to the world around me. You might be surprised. You might be surprised what could happen. Next week, love is kind. That's what I'm going to be talking about. <laughs> I'm telling you, kindness is one of the strongest things. Men... You know, when you hear the be kind, you know, sometimes we think, oh, that's sissy stuff. No, man. I'm going to talk about some, I'm going to talk about love being kind in a whole new way. You need to come and be a part of that. Invite a friend to join you. If you didn't get to hear last week's Message Vision Sunday, it's on our website, coastcommunity.org. I really want to encourage you to listen to that. Uh, Some great things coming up, and we're excited about that. you can kind of track along with us. Hey, I want to pray one more prayer, a prayer of blessing as you go. If you would, just raise your hands with me. Father, thank you for every person that's here. I pray that you grant them wisdom in all that they do, that they would walk in wisdom according to your word. Lord, that your anointing would be on their life. Father, that you would give them favor in the eyes of people that they come in contact with. Father, I pray that you would uh, just give them great opportunities to tell other people the story of what you've done in their life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? God bless you guys. Have a great, great week.